What's going on, everybody? Oh, there we go. I like the what ups. I like it. I like it. So I'm I'm a I'm a former youth pastor. So I actually I do like the energy a little bit. So I do appreciate that. Um, I actually I didn't plan on sharing this, but when I was uh, in youth ministry, I had a very what you would call hype uh, student base, and so. I would always have like the craziest like intro like Christian rap song playing as I walk on stage, and they were all about it. It was all for them, I promise. Um, and so we, uh, it's a, a privilege to be with y'all today. I've actually never uh, taught. I've read the scripture just like Amanda does. Um, I've been at some of our events. I've come to the services, and it's been a privilege. My first service here was the Juneteenth service two years ago. Uh, my man Caleb in the back kept pushing me. He's like, Bryce, you got to come to Midtown. And I came to check it out, and I loved it from that moment. So my wife and I, we've been coming here for a little over a year, and I'm actually going to talk about a little bit about who I am since y'all have never heard from me, uh, but I'll keep a lot of details to the message. I'll actually share a lot about my wife during the message, some of our great moments, some of our arguments, if you will, and uh, their funny endings. Uh, but my wife and I, we've been married for nine years. Uh, we met in Springfield, Missouri in college. She's born and raised here, and she convinced this Texan to come back this way. And so we're here. I actually graduated high school here. My mom, was a, she is a Marine, and uh, we were stationed here last and uh, moved around a little bit in college. But uh, we also have two wonderful children. Kingston is our four-year-old. If there are kids running in this auditorium, he's typically leading the way or pushing from the back, but he is somehow responsible for it every time. Uh, Lennon, my beautiful one-year-old daughter, she's that curly-haired, blue-eyed angel that you see back there. And so she, uh, I am, however, a very disciplined, straightforward, no-nonsense father. She gets her way every time, <laughs> uh, every single time. It's always yes. And so, um, but what I am going to share with you today um, has a lot to do with what I do here. I am also a leader of our Justice Initiatives uh, ministry here, and you've probably actually never heard of that. Um, this is actually a ministry that we're just now rolling out this year at this church, and there's a lot of fluid things that we're going to roll out. There's a lot of things we're going to test out and try out that are involved with achieving justice in Kansas City and being active with it. So you'll hear a lot more, but if you ask me about it today, we'll probably just talk about some things that we're looking at. And so I'm excited for it, which is why we're gonna talk about justice today. I'm gonna share in Psalm 99 with you. And in Psalm 99, I can tell you, I'm not gonna be able to cover the entire idea of justice that's in the Bible. But the reason I bring this up, and I'll share this story real quick, uh, Andy and I, uh, nine years in, for those that have been married, you have arguments still, but they just seem a little bit less significant, and they seem a little bit more petty, and you, you get over them a lot quicker. And so we're on the way home sometime last year, and it was snowing outside. And I'm obviously trying to prove to her in the car why I am right and why she is wrong. Um, she's trying to prove to me why she is right and I am wrong, which is impossible. But I, we're sitting there talking and <laughs> literally 
the conversation just ends. The argument is still unresolved. And I get out of the car and I step out. There's this little part that steps up to our front step of our door. And, you know, look, I like to consider myself an athlete. I like to consider myself one. But in that moment, the athleticness of my past escaped me. And I stepped up onto this snowy portion. And while I took one strong step with my right foot, my entire body left me. And I was floating in the air. Pretty athletic how high I was. However, um, it was an unathletic ending. I fell very hard on my back. And how many of you know in my pride, my first thought was, I hope she didn't see that. Because I was just arguing with her. And if you know anything, when you argue with somebody, there's a little bit about you that like, you don't want anything bad to happen to them, but if something like on accident might hurt them a little bit, you're okay with it because you feel vilified, right? And so I'm sitting there like hoping to God she did not see what just happened. And so I'm on the ground and I roll over. She's on the opposite side of the car and I kind of crawl up to my window to see if she saw it and nothing. I mean, she could have not, I don't know how she didn't hear 300 pounds smack against the ground, but she didn't hear it. And she didn't see it. And so I don't remember if it was that night or the next morning, but I came to her because I'm just a great husband. And I said, babe, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And literally, <laughs> I said, there's also one thing I need to tell you. Um, just look at the ring camera in the garage. And she's like, for what? And I was like, just look at the ring camera in the garage. When we got home last night, after the argument, she looks at it. And immediately, my wife was overwhelmed with joy and laughter. <laughs> And how many of y'all know that because we were just arguing, tensions were still high, she felt justice in that moment, right? And it was just the worst. Now, because she loves God with all of her heart, soul, and mind, and loves others as herself, I am sure that if you ask her about the video, she's not going to show you after service. She probably deleted it because she loves me so much <laughs> and will not show you. So, uh, but <laughs> we honestly, if we're being really transparent, our idea of justice sometimes has something to do with retaliation or vengeance almost. Like that's almost included in that idea when we're in our worst place, right? And to be honest with you, within the last few years, the conversation has become very polarized. I want to be clear how I said that though, because if you look at enough writers, scholars, theologians, authors, there's a lot of content on the idea of justice, particularly as it speaks to social justice, social injustice, for decades that's been out there. There's people that have been talking about this for a long time, but with where we're at in our culture, and quite frankly, in the cultures of other countries, and where we're at as far as media in this time and day, the conversation has become very polarized. It's polarized in the political spectrum. Um, it's polarized in the partisan spectrum. It's all over different news outlets. It's all over social media. Everybody has an opinion and it's just everywhere. So what is the truth about justice? To be honest with you, if I went one-on-one -on -one with everybody in this room, I would probably get a different answer on what justice looks like to you. I'd probably get a different answer on what is true justice, whether it matters, and what it should look like. And a part of that probably is because of the different backgrounds we've grown up in. Like I was born in like 
a cement town, red dirt, Texas, all right? And then we got sent to New Orleans in the Marines, lived in West Bank, and then we got sent to LA and lived in Pico Rivera, and then we got sent to Belton, Missouri from Los Angeles. Like, I literally is, and Belton, Missouri in of itself is a crux. Cass County is surrounding the South, and Grandview and Hickman are surrounding the North, and we just collide in the hallways, right? You can find different cultures anywhere you go, and that's probably going to speak to our truth about justice or what we believe about it, right? And while I say, and I bring up all these teachings and these writings from different authors and books and these things, the reality is the Bible has been talking about justice all along. Matter of fact, if you're like me, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just randomly thought about this. I actually, I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, I called this the book of palms. Um, I just ignored that silent uh, P and just said palms. Uh, <laughs> and I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus and all the way looking till now, two, exactly two decades in, 35 for those that don't know the math, I, I now have thought heavily on the fact that I haven't heard a lot in the Christian circles that I've been in, in the church circles that I've been in about justice. I've heard a lot of God's purpose and plan for my life as it pertains to my job, my career, ministries, family, friendships, a lot about dating. I've, I've heard a lot about prayer, being wise, what I should do with my finances. I've heard a lot about those things but I have not heard a lot about justice when the reality is the Bible has a lot to say about it. And what I wanna share with you today is just nine small verses of what the Bible is saying about justice from the book of Psalms 99. And we're gonna go over three things today. And I do this because I'm a certified hooper, so I do this through three. And what we do is we're gonna go over the position of God in our culture we're gonna go over the justice of the Bible and we're gonna go over the way of God in us. And so when we first look at this, and you can open up your phone, you can follow on the screen, you can open up the book if you have it. When you look at Psalm 99, verse one, what we see is God's reign. This is the first position I wanna address here. It says in verse one, the Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble, he sits enthroned upon the cherubim, let the earth quake. Recently, my wife and I, we went to Colorado. And uh, for those of you that have loved Colorado or have been there, we went around Denver and up through Boulder into those mountain towns. And when we're there, it's just beautiful. Like the moment that you get there you see, and you get into the mountains, you see these rivers that just never end. They run to a certain waterfall and then it's just more river. Then it goes another waterfall, more river. Moose crossing, really cool. Get your picture out, more river, right? Like you literally are just surrounded by this ever flowing river that is really, it's an overflow from the frozen peaks, right? And we even went on this hike where it was really, it was like a 10,000 foot hike to Blue Lake for those that have done that one. And literally it's the most beautiful thing. You're either along the river, you hear the river, you're, you're, you're swimming in the river, or you're going, as you go up, it goes into lakes that form, that goes into the same river and it goes to another lake that eventually gets to the top. It's a river that literally never ends. Right? 
And when you look at probably honestly, my, fav- my favorite scripture about justice in the Bible, probably my favorite book about justice in the Bible, you look at Amos 5, 24, and I'll go to it here real quick, where it says justice rolling like a river, justice rolling like a river and righteousness like an ever flowing stream. And it gives this depiction of what justice should look like in our culture. For those that are oppressed, for those that are marginalized, it shows us what kind of effort we should be putting forth and it shows us what God has planned for justice. And in a culture riddled with leadership symbolism in the form of partisan national leaders, in a culture that puts a lot of hate over humanity, in a culture that puts a lot of profit and product over people, in a culture that puts a lot of dollars over dignity, it is critical for us, anybody in this room, if you would consider yourself someone that loves God, who is by definition of the Bible, the lover of justice, it is critical that we see to it that we see justice established in Kansas City that looks like that of an ever-flowing stream. A river that never stops. That's the kind of justice this Bible calls us to. So when you wake up, while recognizing God's position in our culture as far as God reigning over our culture, over every system, over every leader, over every injustice, it is critical that when we wake up and we hear the latest news, we watch the latest video, we get the latest text from our friends that are going through a very unjust situation, that we pivot in the pain, we lean into the lover of justice, and we do the work to see justice established in Kansas City. That's what we do when we see that God reigns. And then we move on to the second thing that we see as far as God's position in our culture, that God's greatness. Love you, baby girl. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. I just assume that that's my baby, but I know there's another baby back there, so I apologize, but I love that baby too. Um, The Lord is great in Zion. He's exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. See, Zion is viewed as a city of refuge, if you will, uh, a safe space at this current time, right? And as someone who is half black, half white, but is largely viewed as black in our culture, I mentioned the last few years of polarization. I've been dealing with a lot of things and seen a lot of things from a very young age as a brown male growing up in the South, in the deep South, as deep as Dallas-Fort Worth, as deep as the New Orleans area. You can't get any deeper than the swamps. I'm sorry, you just can't. Living in, moving to Los Angeles a month before Rodney King was killed, right? Growing up and kind of seeing two worlds at Belton High School collide, two very different cultures and society collide. I've seen a lot of things for a long time, but to be honest with you, the first thing that ever brought me, like brought me true great pain was when I was 19 and I was living in South Alabama. I was interning at a church down there in Gulf Shores. Yes, life was very hard, but I'm, 
I'm pulling in from a ministry that we did one night. And, I, and I, so I'm getting in like one in the morning because interns just do all that stuff. And so I'm driving in in the neighborhood and all of a sudden I see three cop lights, two in front of me, one behind me. And I remember as I'm pulling in the neighborhood, two cops are rushing me. Now, one of them, I want to be clear. I, I want to be very clear, actually, too. I am not in anything that I say today. I'm not dissing or hating anybody of any position. I want to be very clear with that. I'm sharing with you some truths from my experiences. Do we understand that, right? And I, as I pull in, two cops are running towards me. And one of them, with all due respect, is actually pretty calm with me. But the other is banging on my window. He's belligerent. He's screaming at me, yelling at me to pull, roll my window down. And so I roll my window down, then he's screaming at me to pull my hands up. So I pull my hands up. I'm immediately confused. I've never been in a situation like this. And I remember, they're talking to me, they're screaming at me, they ask for my identification. I'm asking if it's safe to grab my identification. I give that to them. And the one, the cop that's actually calm pushes him to the side and begins to start talking to me. And what I later found out from somebody that I knew that worked there, although I thought they were just flashing lights on me, he confirmed that these were gun lights that they were flashing at me. And I remember when I was talking with this person trying to figure out what was going on, he, was, we, he eventually realized who I was and what I was doing in the community. And he began to tell me, again, 19 years old, that they pulled me over because they were looking for a 24-year-old black man that was dealing drugs. All that because they thought I was five years older and was dealing drugs based off of not any traffic violations, based off of the skin color that they saw when they looked in my car. And even in that moment, I don't think I truly unraveled that, but when we were going into the, um, when we were pulling into the, uh, the house, I kind of sat there and I thought about it and I kind of left it for what it was. I told some family the next day. And a week later, I was walking on a road outside of our neighborhood. And I remember I'm on the phone and there's, I see blue lights flash by my legs. And I remember when the lights were flashing, um, I became a little startled, but I was just kind of curious to what was going on because I'm just walking, right? And I remember the cop gets out, I have no clue who it is. And he tells me to put my hands on the hood. And I'm like, what am I, and he said, just put your hands on the hood. Do you want me to grab it? No, I'll grab that from you. And he's just talking to me. He grabs my, my wallet, opens up my ID, and my world drops as he laughs and says, you're the kid that I pulled over last week. And I began to realize who he was. Now, I played high school and college football, so I, I had knee injuries on both times. And when the seasons changed, again, this is like right after Halloween, and this is when the seasons change, my, my knees, they just hurt. And so I limp. You'll notice it here. I, I limp a lot when the seasons change. And I remember I, this was during that time, and I'm limping. And the cop explains to me that he pulled me over because he could see the way I was walking and that it seemed like I might have alcohol or substance in my system. That's why he pulled me over while I was walking. Again, the same cop that was screaming at me a week earlier. And he let me go. And I remember immediately I was flooded with tears. I called my mom. I walked back to where I was staying at. I, was, I called my pastor. And I, it was damaging for some time, right? 
And all of us, we feel these different pains. We may go through these certain injustices, but that wasn't fair for a 19-year-old kid who was doing nothing. I mentioned to you I'm from Texas, and some of you, <laughs> you know how Texans are, right? We're like eternally unfazed, right? You said, Bryce, I drove down to Dallas, worst drivers. Y'all act like you own the road. Yeah, we own the road. We're bigger and better. Yeah, that's, that's the course. Like, that's, the, I, that's the mindset of a Texan, right? Like, Bryce, let me real with you. Whataburger, the worst. Might as well call it worst to burger. Patty melt, overrated. Honey butter chicken biscuit, overrated. First, I will let you know we have a prayer team after the service. They will pray for you if you feel that way. Um, that's not in line with the gospel. I'll give you details later. Um, Price, go on, Cowboys, just average, man, like average. Going to the Super Bowl, baby, going to the Super Bowl. Dude, y'all lost, you can't play anymore this season, Super Bowl next year. That's how we are, unfazed about everything, right? And this is the posture that I'm trying to explain in these moments and recognizing how great God is. Now, if you are standing for the injustice, if you're, if you're on the front lines and you are active right now, I'm not telling you to be dismissive. And I'm not telling you to do this thing where like, hey, but God. So case, for example, when the woman is getting stoned for adultery and Jesus comes next to her, he doesn't say like, hey, I know this is super violent, I know this is very abusive, but God's great, God's greater than this. It's not what happens. God, or Jesus knows that God is greater than the stones. Jesus knows that God is greater than the abuse of these men. Jesus knows that God is greater than the use of these men on her. Jesus knows that God is greater than what's happening in that moment, and he stands next to her, gives her the safe space, and gets active. For those of you that have experienced injustice or you... you it just, it's a burden for you and it hurts and you have a different story of pain for a different reason. Again, I'm just sharing my experiences. Some of you may have different experiences you faced. I'm not trying to tell you, but God. What I am telling you is we sit here often on these Sundays and we sing a song called Firm Foundation. And we sit here and we sing, Christ is my firm foundation. Solid rock in which I stand. Like, I put my faith in Jesus. He'll never let me down. These are words we have often sung in this very auditorium. And we're so close to understanding God's love for, the, for us and the justice that he has for us. And it even says as we go into the third thing, God's position in our culture, God's justice. It says right here in verse four and five, the king in his might loves justice. I want to be very clear. If you have any conversations on whether or not God cares about this, this quite literally says, loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. There's a part of that song that continues to says, rain came wind blew, and it's talking about the safe space we have in Jesus. When Jesus is with the poor man outside of the temple, who is a product of economic depravity, he has a safe space with Jesus. When Jesus is with the woman at the well who is experiencing 
gender discrimination, racial discrimination, by all means, in that culture, shouldn't even be in the same space as Jesus. She has a safe space with Jesus. When Jesus is with the woman that is getting stoned, that is facing the abuse, the violence, and the neglect, she has a safe space with Jesus. When Jesus is with the man that's on the cross right next to him, who's a product of incarceration, who is, who is absolutely faced with hate at every corner until the moment he dies, he is safe with Jesus. I'm not trying to dismiss any injustices that happen to anybody. What I want you to understand is that God is greater than any injustice that we face. And that moves me to the part, two parts that I'm actually gonna be fairly quick with. Once we understand God's position in our culture, we can now understand the justice of God in the Bible. It says right here in verse six, Moses, who if anybody remembers, if you watched enough Prince of Egypt, it kind of shows this, right? Moses was a product of injustice that was called to overthrow an empire built on slavery. Moses and Aaron, who if you dig deep enough, and again, you're gonna find imperfections in these people, but if you dig deep enough, was an ally and an activist of the oppressed in this culture. Were among his priests, Samuel, you're like, okay, Bryce, monarchy, kingship, he was always in royalty, who actually fought against those that would try to abuse the power, would constantly force people to stop abusing their power, would push against the margin pushers, if you will. These three people were among those who called upon his name. God is a just God, who when we look in Isaiah 1:17 tells us to learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the widow's case. God is a just God who calls us to educate ourselves on nations and organizations, empires that are still built on slavery and oppression. To this day, God calls us to, to seek justice and stand in solidarity with the gentrified to be honest with you, that surround this very building. God calls us to stand next to those that are in despair and correct the disparities for the people that are experiencing inequity in opportunity, education, and every asset of their life, facet of their life, sorry. God calls us to those things. It actually says here in the end, um, in verse six, I actually, sorry, I'm going a little fast. Once we understand God's position in our culture, once we understand the justice of the Bible, now we can understand the way of God in us, what to do with it. And actually, worship team, you can come up now. I, for, I remember when I first met Andy, and, uh, <laughs> oh, man. You gotta understand, like, I was, I saw Andy for a couple times. I was kind of infatuated with her in a secret, creepy way. And literally, don't, don't. I know all you guys, I can't speak for you ladies, but you guys are the exact same. Don't play me, all right? And so I remember when I first actually met her, I was shocked because I, it was an opportunity that presented itself. I felt like God was with me. I was simply going to drop off a volunteer like form to the church I was going at, that we were both going to in the volunteer office and I was expecting to see the volunteer coordinator. And I walk in 
bam, there's the angel I've been looking at all week after service. She's right there, right in front of me. And literally, I walk in, there's a desk right here. She's on the desk, but she's looking at the wall, at the computer on the wall right there, right? And so I remember, <laughs> I see her, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I wasn't prepared for this, but here we go. I have the form and I say, here's an early Christmas gift. Y'all, that is one of my worst moments. Don't judge me for it. That was, I had, I had zero time. I had to think on a whim and the Lord was not with me in that moment, okay? Some would say, however, that the Lord was with me because I got no response to the point where Andy and I actually disagree about this. She says this never happened. And I'm like, well, yeah, there's a space for two truths. I can tell it never happened because you didn't even look at me. Like, I think the Lord was actually with me because she did not acknowledge me. And he's saying, Bryce, if I, if I would have let her hear that, you would not even be married to her today. Like, she would have just cut you out. And I just remember like, I was so, I just is so about like getting to know who she was and learning about who she was and being involved with her. And I, I started doing things that like I'd never done in my life. Like I didn't even, I'd never even watched Harry Potter before in, in my life. I uh, had no interest. And I, you know, nine years into marriage, I've watched like the entire series several times, you know, like it's just, it's, it's, I've become to learn who she is and love who she is and what she does, right? And that's how we are. Like we just start to form based off that relationship as we connect. We start checking our phones a little bit. We start, you know, looking for texts and calls and looking on the socials. I remember one time, again, I played a lot of sports so I hung around a lot of athletes and a lot of very athletic people. We drank Gatorades and ate whatever meals. And I started hanging out with her group who, while she played high school sports, she was definitely very like eclectic, creative, under the radar, not in the mainstream, super cool, glasses are cool, coffee is really tasty. Like, they, like that's what they did. They had cool books and stuff like that, right? And I remember I started learning just about who she was and I, we were hanging out at her house one day. Instead of me watching a college football game, I go to hang out with her and her friends and we're sitting in the lobby, or not the lobby, sorry. She doesn't have a mansion, the living room. And we're sitting in the living room with seven or eight of her other cool coffee drinking friends. And I remember they're watching a movie and it was, un, it was unlike any movie I'd ever seen in my life. It was a movie that was like, it had commentary over it. And so it was literally like a film commentary, like something I would actually watch if I was in a film class that I would actually never take. And I was just so confused as to what we were doing. And we're watching this, this commentary film. And I'm like, why would anybody watch this? This is so boring. And then I realized nobody was watching it. Everybody was on their phones. There's just a film commentary going on while we were on their phones. So God called me out of that situation for the moment and I went to go watch the college football game. Bars kicked in the door. Where's the wing platter? Where's the soda? Where's the couch? I say that to say we were very different people, but I was very interested in learning who she was, what she was about and what could be in this relationship. And if we're honest, we're all like that in the introduction, right? We're a little obsessive. 
Like we don't wanna admit that because we sound creepy, but we're a little obsessive. Like Alex, I know for a fact, know for a fact, you always checked your texts and your calls when Cassie, when y'all first met. And you knew, you knew she wasn't calling you or texting you because you, you didn't hear it. But you just hope that she did. You didn't wanna miss it, right? Our friends see it, our family see it. We kind of deny it, but we really know. We're all about them. In a sense, we kind of start to worship the ground they walk on a little bit, right? And this is how I'll end today. When we look at this text in verse seven or verse six going through eight, we see that God called, or that they called to the Lord, that they sought God. We can only know God's plan for justice when we actually seek God. When we seek the truths that are in the Bible, when we seek the stories that are mentioned today, when we seek the stories that weren't mentioned today, we can only know the truth about justice when we do that. It continues, in the pillar of the cloud, he spoke to them. They kept his testimonies statutes that he gave them. Oh Lord, our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. An avenger. Is God coming to the MCU? Like is God coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Is that what this scripture means? Phase five, Kevin Feige announces coming 2023, the remake and crossover of the Passion of the Christ, right? <laughs> It would be the best Jesus movie of all time. Like, that has nothing to do with the message. I just really want to put that in there. But in all seriousness, God is calling us to follow his plan for justice. It's very clear just in this scripture alone, and God has a plan for it and wants us to be a part of it. And then it continues in verse nine. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy name or worship at his holy mountain for the Lord our God is holy. I wanna leave you these two thoughts. Like our initial pursuit of God or our initial pursuit in relationships is very, it can be obsessive. We wanna to talk to them all the time. We wanna learn about them and become close with them. What if we did the same thing with God as it pertains to justice? What if we got so close to God that we could not deny the opportunity to serve those that are in justice in Kansas City? What if we got so close to God that we started standing with those that are gentrified? We started standing with those that are in the magnet schools. We started standing with those that have less opportunity and not because we're doing for them, we're going with them in the struggle. I wanna be very clear on that. What if we became so infatuated with God and his plan for justice, the lover of justice, that we began to start to have a different attitude towards the homeless that line I-35 throughout the city and east towards the stadiums? What if we truly had a heart for God and the justice that he has planned for us in this city? What if we did that? His plan for humanity that's been written here all along. I want you to bow your heads. And I actually, I typically pray with my eyes open, but I actually want you to, 
I want to encourage you to close your eyes in this moment because I want this prayer to really challenge you in the moment. In a culture that glorifies political leaders, in a culture that magnifies agendas, that advances bias, that applauds hate in the name of standing up for what's right, in a culture that seeks unjust ideals, follows unjust decisions and speech, and worships unjust people. God, Psalm 99.9 teaches us to worship you, you that reigns over every leader, leader and agenda, that is greater than every injustice and oppression, and is undeniably just. So God, whatever it is, whoever's in this room, I partner with them in committing to you that Midtown is going to move forward, that we are gonna seek justice, we're gonna to learn to do good, and we're gonna see that that justice looks like a river that never ends, an ever flowing stream. All because that's the plan that you have for us, and that's the plan that you have for this community. We love you, and we thank you. listening to the Midtown Church Weekly Podcast. To find out more or to join a church gathering, check out our website at midtownkc.church.